Hi, welcome to Your Cron, short for Your Chronicles. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Your Cron is a podcast where we chronicle ordinary people and their extraordinary stories. We refer to ordinary people on this show as people who are non-celebrities. Our goal is simple, entertain our audience and perhaps even inspire and educate. At the same time, our guests build a part of their legacy through this unique audio opportunity. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. Our next guest on your cron, Leo Brown, says that these five words sum him up perfectly. Psychic medium, life coach, motivational speaker, author, regular guy. He truly wants to help you empower your life, showing you that life and everything it is, is fabulous. Despite being diagnosed with spastic cerebral palsy as an infant and told by doctors that he would never see the age of 30, Leo not only persevered, he overcame. Leo's mission is to embrace this thing called life while empowering the lives of others better than ever. With his down-home charm, intuitive psychic medium ability in blunt honesty leo not only wants you to see the beauty that is within yourself he wants to see that you've always had the power to change the world as well as your own leo welcome to your crime thank you thank you for having me now, it's thank great you, to have God. you thank you where is a good place to start your extraordinary story um, well, let's see. Because <laughs> uh, if we start from the very beginning, it'll be a, it won't be an hour. Um, so that's okay. I'll We're... just give you this. I'll give you the short version. Yeah, so we'll don't start at twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry about the um, time. You're good. Yeah. So I so at twenty one years old was when I started to actually uh, embrace my psychic ability. Um, actually, I can go back even further because it was actually eighteen, but. I didn't really embrace it until I was 21. And I started doing readings for people just, you know, on the whim. I started embracing my, my abilities. I didn't know what they were. Like I didn't know I didn't know the difference between um, clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant. I didn't know what any of that stuff meant at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I started to do readings for people, just many readings. I wasn't getting paid. And people would come back to me and be like, oh, my God, you were right about so-and-so and so. And I'm like, oh, I was? <laughs> okay, that's that's awesome, you know. <laughs> um, because I didn't, you know, I looked at it like beginner's luck. Or I would say something and it would come to pass. So you had a little trouble even early on believing it yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's actually why I make it my mission now for others. Like when I have clients, whenever I do coaching, whenever I do readings, I want you to believe in you. Hmm. because I know what that is to not believe in yourself, to doubt yourself. I still have those issues. I mean, I'm human like everybody else, because often in this industry, we tend to put people on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Say, well, well, you know it. You know you know everything. It's like, actually, I don't. I'm human. I, can, I make mistakes. I can do it or say it wrong. I've done it and said it wrong, and probably, you know, we'll continue doing that, but that's how you learn. That's how you grow. Um... So for me, my main goal is to let you see that, look, you've always had, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You've always had the power inside of you. You just didn't know it. Mm. And along the way, you met things that, that forced that power that was in you to get home, quote unquote. Because if you, it, it's funny, I'm, I mentioned the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> if you look at the Wizard of Oz, it really has, it really has a very deep meaning. Mm. Because people think, oh, it's so pretty. And it's like, well, it is. But think about it. It's it's about a young girl. She is in an unknown world. uh, And then along the way, she meets these cast of characters who are really aspects of herself. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think that she's intelligent. It's the brain. She doesn't think that she is compassionate enough. It's the heart. She doesn't think that she's courageous enough. It's the lion. Mm -hmm. You know, the heart being the tin man. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with her trying to find a sense of home mm-hmm. and it was already there. It was already in her, mm-hmm. but she wouldn't have, but as Glenda said in the movie, she wouldn't have believed her. Mm-hmm. Had she told her like, Hey, it's right there. 
So she had to go on a journey to find it herself. And if you look at that, if you really dissect the Wizard of Oz and what it means, that's really what it means. It's about it's a really it's it's about an inner journey that we all go through, no matter what age we are, no matter what background, no matter what belief system we may subscribe to. We are all on a journey of trying to find home, whatever home is to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's really interesting insight. And to think that you know they thought of all that. Um, for a movie that was made in 1939, mm-hmm. that seems pretty incredible, really. Mm-hmm. It's a very meta- it's a very metaphysical, spiritual movie if you really dissect it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you go into um, the Wiz, the Wiz is the same thing, except you know the Wiz with Diana Ross, which was actually one of my favorites. But if you go into mm-hmm. that one, it's about a woman who's older, mm-hmm. and she's 20, I think 25 mm-hmm. in the movie. And let's be honest, we've all been at that age, whether we're 25 or, or 19 or 35, and we're like, well, what's next? Mm-hmm. What's my home? I don't know what home is. Mm-hmm. I know it's familiar, but I don't know what my home is, where I fit. Mm-hmm. And we're all going through that. And I think that's why you have people like me, like yourself, who highlight people like myself, you know, in this world to show us, to guide us, to show us like, like, Home is not where you think it is. Mm. You think because you're surrounded by four walls that you're at home. Home is where you make it. Mm. Home is inside of you. So interesting. What? So you first noticed your abilities uh, at age eighteen. Do you recall the first incident, or was there anything? Yes, I do. Um, it was. Yeah, I was eighteen. It was and I had to think back. Um, it was actually for a girlfriend of mine. And I was just playing around with the with the tarot cards. And my best friend had bought them for me as a birthday gift. Mm. And I was like, Oh, these are pretty, you know, and I he got them and everything. And I'm playing with them, playing with them, and one day she called me. And she said, Could you give me because I thought I had them and she said, Could you give me a reading? Now mind you, I had never studied the book, like, real, like I skimmed through it, but I never really, like, read, read. Mm. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll go ahead and give you a reading. And in the reading, I, and, I, and I swear, it just came to me. I was like, who's pregnant? Mm. And she was like, well, you know, and these were her exact words. Ain't nobody pregnant. I'm not pregnant. What you mean? Da, da, da. That, that's exactly what she said. And I said, no, who's pregnant? I keep seeing pregnancy around somebody. And she and she just denied it and denied it and denied it. And then, like, maybe two weeks later, she called me and she said, uh, you remember when you said I was pregnant? And I was like, yeah. And she said, it turns out you were right. I am pregnant. And what, and then, what went yeah. through your mind? It, it, was that when you just told yourself, okay, that's beginner's luck? You know, yeah, it was beginner's luck. And at the same time, I was shocked. Yeah. Because the one thing that I have learned being in, and I'm still learning this, being in this, the business aspect is you never want to be cocky in what you do, but you want to be confident in what you do. And there's a difference between the two. And so for me, I was like, okay, that's something, you know, <laughs> I didn't, you know. And then as time went on, she would, and I swear she called me every day. And she was like, tell me everything. <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> and as time went on, I was able to tell her when her baby was going to be born, what gender the baby was, and what even it would look like. Do you still stay in touch with her today? Does she, does she seek your services out? You know, actually, no. We have grown apart since mm. then. That was many, many, many eons ago. Mm. Uh, but she, every now and again, she'll call me. She'll be like, so do you still read? You know, she'll ask me. And it's funny because now I can read cards, but believe it or not, they confuse me now. Mm. Where, like, and I have tarot decks at the union, and I love them, mm. but... When I read them, like when I read for clients, I, I can read, like, how do I put it? I know what they're saying, but then it kind of um, overlaps with what I'm getting psychically, with what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, what I'm 
hearing clairaudiently what I, you know, be feeling, then I'm like, well, no, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now I don't, I don't have to use cars anymore. Hmm. And for those of us that are just beginning on the subject, such as myself, um, mm-hmm. I, of course I've had one guess on, but that's, pretty much the extent of what I know. Can you kind of go over the different types of psychic mediums? You mentioned. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I would, I'll just speak for me. I'm what you would call a mental medium. Okay. Which means that I see, uh, when I say I see something, that doesn't mean I physically see it because I don't like, if I were to physically see a spirit, listen here. I don't know if I can curse on your show, but I would be, (laughs) it would, it would be, it would not be cute. <laughs> That's all I'm to say. Okay. Uh, because I'm, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I am a scaredy cat. I had a, a, a friend of mine that was a paranormalist. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say a friend. A colleague of mine, mm-hmm. she was a paranormalist, and she invited me to a home. Mm. And the home was being, you know, terrorized by this entity. And I was like, okay. That's my key to leave. <laughs> and she said, like, "Well, you." She said, "But you're psychic. You can." I said, "No." I said, "No, no, no." I said, "I deal with love relationships. I don't deal with that. That's yeah. a little too much for me." Uh, so you so, have your limits. No. <laughs> so I'm not. A, I'm not a ghostbuster because yeah. people often ask me that, like especially during Halloween. Yep. They often ask me like, "Oh, do you really?" No. Yeah. So you get busy, and I'm life. like, "No, uh-huh. I don't." Uh-huh. Um, but. <laughs> I am what you call a mental medium. So that means I see it, it's like clips of a movie in my head. Hmm. Um, and then I often say, like I'll say I feel a lot during the reading. Mm-hmm. So that means if I'm feeling something, that's that's empathy for me or, or you know, me being an empath. Mm-hmm. But I may say to you, well, Scott, I'm feeling like you feel down today or, you know, I'm feeling a pain in your neck or a pain in your back, you know, in the middle. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. That's how it happens for me. Hmm. There are also mediums who are like me, who are mental mediums who can see it in their heads, but there are also mediums who can actually feel the presence of a spirit around them, who allow a spirit to channel through them, because those, those are the channeling mm-hmm. mediums, and let the, the spirit uh, use them as a, as, a, as a mediator, basically. Because medium, that's basically what it means. It means that you are a media, mediator. Hmm. You are the, the go-between. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Thanks for clearing that up. That that actually helps a lot to understand yeah. the way you explain. Well, and I mean, there are some mediums who can taste uh, what a spirit may, you know, like may what they may like to eat. Uh, some of them can smell them. Mm-hmm. Like if you smell roses or you smell cologne, that often means, or if you smell smoke, mm-hmm. like cigarette smoke, mm-hmm. that often means that your ancestors are around. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You were once quoted as saying, quote, for a long time, I thought that I always had something to prove to the world around me. I realize now that the person I have to prove anything to is myself. The universe has my back. I got this, end quote. As a life coach, break this this quote down for right us, Leah. Yeah, what, what do you... Well, basically what, what that means is that, and, 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 and wow, and I'm so, okay, that was great. Because uh, <laughs> nobody's ever actually done that, but they took that quote and, and asked me to break it down, so thank you. Hmm. Uh, basically what that means is that for a long time, I blamed the world for a lot of my shortcomings. And I never took, I never held myself responsible, responsible or held myself accountable for the things that I wanted to do and the things that I, you know, I did wrong or the things that I didn't do. Uh, like for instance, one of my favorite things to do, believe it or not, I love to dance. Mm. I love to dance. Like you couldn't tell me when I was a little boy that I wasn't going to be Paula Abdul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paula Abdul or Janet Jackson. I wanted to be either one of those women. Yeah. And I always wanted to go to dance school. I always wanted to take a dance class. And recently I did that. Hmm. I recently went and took a chair dancing course for the hmm. first time in my life. And though it was challenging, it was the best fun because I learned to say, wait, I've always, I could always do this. Hmm. Yes, I'm a little limited because of my physicality, but that didn't stop me. And it was interesting because the people at the dance class, the women, because I was the only man there, hmm. the women, 
they were like, you're so inspiring. Could you keep going? Like, you don't give up. I'm like, no, honey. I'm like, I can't do that. I have to keep doing this because this is more so for me. Uh, and so what I mean by that is, is that for a long time, I always thought I had to show the world what I was made of. When I, when I realized it now, it's like, no, you have to show yourself. Hmm. Forget the world. Yeah. The world will respond when you need to. But right now, it's about yourself. And, and, and granted, maybe to some of the listeners, it may, that may sound a bit selfish. But what I mean by that is I don't mean it in a selfish way. I mean more of in a way that is about self-care and self-preservance, perseverance, and self-love. Hmm. Because often we say, oh, self-care is the best care. But really, we don't know what self-care means. Hmm. Self-care means saying no. Hmm. And sometimes, hell no. Mm-hmm. You know, when you need to. And also sometimes saying, well, I've always wanted to do this. No, I'll never be, you know, a Paula Abdul or a Janet Jackson. I'll never get to that level. I might. But but right now, I want to do this because it's something that I've always wanted to do. Whether it be dancing, whether it be singing, whether it be writing. Here's why I wrote a book. You know, um, those were things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I had to prove it to myself that I could do it. And once I realized that I could, it was done. Hmm. Tell me about taking dance lessons, because I've tried to uh, convince my wife that we should take ballroom dance lessons. We haven't done it yet, but I'm going to get her out there. Either that or uh, country dance, just some sort of uh, dance. Yeah, you should. Like something that that couples can do. Yeah. It's really a lot. I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. If, If you think you can dance, you are sadly mistaken. You can if you can, if you can tap your foot, you can dance. Oh, okay, well, that's um, encouraging. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it, it's not about having two left feet, and it, and really, depending on the the teacher you have, it's really about you just listening and watching. It's really observation. Hmm. Observation is key. And my dance teacher was fantastic, mm-hmm. and she told me she said. I want to see you back here next week <laughs> because she was like, I'm, she was like, you are so inspiring. I want to see you come back. And I went, okay. And I just, I had to push myself because, you know, I, I will, I will freely admit I'm the kind of person I can talk myself out of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Oh, cause I almost did it. I said, well, I don't know if I want to go. And you know, I don't know. I'm, I walk with a cane. I don't know what are going to people. And something said, no, you paid the money. Mm. get up get out here and do this and this is something you've always wanted to do challenge yourself challenge your body your life isn't over because often we think when we hit 30 40 50 60 70 even we think well life is just that's it it's just done the door is just shut Mm. i'm not young and pretty i'm not 18 i'm not 25 i'm not 21 Mm. so we often feel well my life is just you know I'll just go ahead and vegetate and live in the house and have, you know, grocery delivery and walk around in a moo and weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> but for me, I said, but my life isn't done yet. I'm 36. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of, you know, and I'm just going to say it for the rainbow children, mm-hmm. happy pride to my rainbow children. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a lot of us, a lot of men in particular, we often feel, well, what is there? What else is there to do mm-hmm. when we hit 30, 35? Because, you know, the quality of life, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not that it's over. It just changes. It's just different. Yeah. Your taste change. The way you view going out to the club. Like when you were 18, you couldn't wait to get home and get dressed and go out to the, to the club. And, you know, even though you couldn't drink, you still couldn't wait to shake a tail feather, as the old folks say. <laughs> 21, same thing. You know, 25, same thing. Then 30 comes, and you're like, okay, do I want to go? You know, <laughs> you start thinking, do you want to go? Right. Oh, I'm tired. Or maybe you've gotten married. Maybe you've had kids. You know, you, you really have had more, uh, you've, laid, you've nested, you've laid down roots in your life. Yeah. So now it's different. You've gone through a few things. So the way you do going out to a club now is completely different than you would when you were 22. Yeah. Interesting. Did you? Yeah, but it's not over with, I think. Right, it's just, different. Di- just a different, uh, you moved on to it's just a, it's a di- Right, it's just a different quality of your life. Did, That's all. Did you say, Leo, that you walk with a cane? I do. Mm-hmm. And you take yeah. dan- dance lessons? Uh-huh. Cane and all. Wow. And 
I went and I did my thing. I may not go this week because I have uh, a standing engagement, but, you know, but I am going to go, go back because I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was challenging. It made me sweat like I have never sweated before. Uh, but it was wonderful because it wasn't just me. It was everybody. It was a group. And we were all, it was communal. And, it, and we were all encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like, go. Like, keep going. Like, go. You know, go, go, go. Woo! You know, and, and that was nice. Because so they were like, well, do you want to get in? Do you want to dance? And they would film it. And I said, no. I said, girl, I end up falling. And <laughs> I the food. But everybody around me after the class ended, they said, no, you were so inspiring because you kept going like, you you know, you kept moving. And the one thing that I liked about it was that it teaches you how to learn to love your body, Mm -hmm. the body that you're in. Because I will admit that for me, and this is one of the things that I'm dealing with now, Mm -hmm. that for a long time I always felt entrapped or encased Mm -hmm. because I'm around a bunch of able-bodied people. But I have a different ability. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how do I walk? Or, you know, how do I? I can't run and jump like them. I can't do that. What do I do? What do I, you know, how, where do I fit <clears throat> in this? So, you know, for me, taking a dance class, it was like, no, you fit just fine. You just have to learn to embrace the body that you have. Do you, and that's what it's made me do. Yeah. Do you use the cane when you dance? Mm-hmm. Okay. I sure do. Yeah. Interesting. What kind of uh, music are you dancing to in your class? Oh, I'm trying to, well, I guess basic pop, uh-huh. like a, like a pop R and B kind of song. And, you know, they make you, <laughs> they make you get, uh, what's the word? You know, you, you use a lot of your hips and stuff, which I love. It's very sensual. Mm-hmm. And I realized that with me, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a very sensual person. I'm not a very overtly, you know, you know, put it on out there, kind of, that's not me. Sensuality, is, is, if, if I could classify myself, that's what it would be. It's a very sensual way of living. Hmm. <laughs> Tell us about the spastic cerebral palsy. Take us through what it's like living, living with, with that. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? It has its pluses and minuses. Um, when I was younger, I walked with crutches. Mm-hmm. Like the, the big crutches that you put your arms in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it moved. It, progr- it was like a progression. I walked with crutches. Then from there, I wore braces. Mm-hmm. I wore braces that came all the way up to the thigh to the point where I had to sleep in them. Mm. Uh, which, oh God, uh, that was a mess. I hated doing that. Mm. Uh, then there was a point where I did serial casting. And serial casting basically is where they'll put a cast on you and stretch and stretch you mm-hmm. all the way to high heaven, mm-hmm. you know, with the courtesy of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And then they'll leave the cast on for like two, three months. Mm-hmm. And then they'll put another one on and leave it on for another two, three months. Mm-hmm. So a lot, I spent like half my life in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and what basically stat six uh, cerebral policy is, is basically where for me, the part of my body that's affected is my legs. Mm-hmm. My legs and the right hand side of my body, the mm-hmm. right side. So like the right side of my face is a little paralyzed. Um, my right hand doesn't work like my left hand does. My right arm doesn't bend all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lazy eye on the right side of my of my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? And then my right ankle turns outward. Mm. So it doesn't, so say if I wanted to wear heels, which I love, <laughs> but if I wanted to wear high heel shoes, because mm-hmm. I have height in me, mm-hmm. I'm only five for the one. Mm. But if I wanted to wear high heel shoes, I couldn't because my left foot, or not my left foot, my right foot turns outward. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't allow me to put my foot all the way down so I can have an arch mm. that you need when you wear high heel shoes. Mm. And I, and then from all those implements, I progress to a cane. And say if I'm going to like H-E-B, which I love. Shout out to H-E-B. I love the, the stores here <laughs> in Houston. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I love y'all. Um, but if I go to H-E-B or Walmart or Six Flags, I'll use the carts, you know, the electric scooters. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on, on how long of a distance it is, I'll use a wheelchair. 
Um, but if it's short, I walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I mostly walk everywhere. I walk downstairs. I, you know, I do what I have to. I mean, I, I you know. Yeah. You earlier mentioned your book. Yes. Uh, talk about your book. Tell us about your book. Well, my book is called Honey, I'm Fabulous and So Are You, um, A Psychic Journey of, of Life, Love, and Empowerment. Mm-hmm. And it's published by Right Stream Publishing. Um, you can go get it on Amazon.com. It's available via Kindle right now. So mm-hmm. you, you're more than welcome to go and get it. And if you read it and you like it, please leave me a review. Please. Um, but I wrote the book because I was encouraged by a radio show host and um, her name was Lisa Tarver. She encouraged me. She said, you know, Leo, I think you have a really great story. I think you should write a book. Mm. And I didn't want to write a book because I was like, well, no, first of all, I'm not old. <laughs> you know, I'm not 65. <laughs> and two, I, nobody, no one knows me. I'm like, I'm not known like that, like in my mind. So mm. I'm like, I don't, you know, people don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a celebrity. Um, but she encouraged me. And then one day I just heard in my head, like, it's time to tell your story. Mm. So I sat down and I started writing the book and I wrote the book within six months. And I didn't realize how it's funny. People have told me, they said, you know, I've read the book and it's really inspiring, but it's really emotional. Mm. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, it's like an emotional roller coaster because you've been through so much. And, you know, I said, well, at the time, I was really, when I wrote the book, I was not in the, it's funny because my, my publisher, she said, well, make sure we end the book on, a, on an up note. And when I wrote the book, I was like, well, my life ain't really that up, honey. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. And I wanted the book to be really transparent mm-hmm. and authentic. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to add more to it because I said, well, I want to write more. I want to write, write, write about my love life and, you know, and, 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 you know, that. And she said, no, 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 no. She said, save it, save that for the sequel. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it's funny. I don't, I like the book. I do. But on one hand, I'm like, there's still more I could write, but that's also because I'm a, I am my own worst critic. Mm. So in my head, I'm like, there's still more I could have said, mm-hmm. but from what I've been told and the reviews I've gotten, people love the book. People right. absolutely love it. So we'll, we'll put it on the uh, com website. And okay. you said it, it it took six months to write. What what was the writing process itself like for you? Oh, you boy. Enjoy? It was, oh, wow. It was really emotional, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, that would be the best word to describe it. Mm-hmm. It was really, really difficult. I thought it was going to be easy. And I'll admit, I wrote the book too, because I was like, well, I can add this to a resume. I'm an author now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, and I will say this, it did open other doors for me. It really did. And I'm grateful for it. So I'm actually glad that I did it. But, you know, at the time, I didn't know anything about the book industry, mm-hmm. about publishing. I had no clue, mm-hmm. you know, how publishing worked and how it didn't. And, you know, no clue. And, um, and it was a very emotional journey for me because I had to go all the way back to, to, you know, I had to go all the way back to the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from, what am I trying to say? Like, you know, to now. Mm-hmm. And that was really, <clears throat> really, a um, how do I say it? Like a hard pill to swallow yeah. for me. But... It was also very cathartic too, because I got a lot out that I didn't think I would get out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked about a lot of things that I thought I would never open up about. Mm. Did you ever experience writer's block or did the words flow out? Oh yes. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. There were, there were moments where I didn't want to write at all. I was like, well, we're done, you know? And, um, my, uh, my, uh, my publisher was like, no, no, no. She said, you know, she said, actually, that's good. She said, what you do is this. She said, when you feel like you've written enough, just take a break mm-hmm. or try to write for 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Start small. And she said, before you know it, you'll have a book. 
And that's what I would do. So I would write for 30 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I would just leave it there. And then I would come back to it after like two, three days. And I would be like, well, that's wrong. Well, that's misspelled. <laughs> okay, well, this is this. And this is that. So I was very meticulous because I even did all the, well, I didn't do the editing, but a lot of it, she and I both did on our own. And it was just, it was a lot of work. But it was, but like I said, it was so, in, in my mind, it was worth it. Mm. So you came back and kind of did your own first round of editing, it sounded like. That's kind of how you started off when you went, after two or three days, uh-huh. you went back to writing, yep. l- looked over your, your last writing, did some editing, and then your your editor did a second round of editing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, yep. how does how does that work when you have an editor? Are, are there a discussion, were there some things that you disagreed with your editor and kind of some back and forth on that? Or Oh, yes, uh, because I wanted to add more. She wanted it to be more about like me being a psychic. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be more about me just being me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want it to be just a psychic book. And that's no, you know, that's no... No shade, no pink lemonade, but I just, but what it was, was I was like, but I'm more than just that. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I, I kind of equate it to being a singer. Mm-hmm. When you know you can act, or you know you can write, or you know you can dance. You want to show every aspect of yourself, mm-hmm. not just one. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing about, for me, that when I wrote the book in the beginning that I didn't want to do. Because I wanted to show that, that, yes, I'm a psychic, but I'm also a human. Here's my journey. My journey has not been easy. And it probably never will be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because like I said, I think lessons, I think people in, in things come into your lives for reasons and seasons. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe in the lessons mm-hmm. that I needed to learn. And I'm still learning them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but yeah, in the beginning, she wanted. She said, well, "We need to talk to you. You know, talk about you being more precise." And I said, "Well, honey, I'm also a brother and a friend, and you know, a person, and I have wants and needs and goals. I don't want to just be a psychic." So we we fought like cats and dogs on that. Hmm. But eventually, we found a, a compromise. And she hmm. said, "Well, can we just do one chapter? <laughs> <laughs> can we just do one or two chapters where it's just you?" You know, and even even down to the title of the book. The title of the book, Honey, I'm Fabulous and So Are You, that came to me in the shower. Because I was like, well, what can I call it? And and I was like, well, okay. And then Honey, I'm Fabulous and So Are You. I was like, that's perfect. And because um, in the beginning, I was going to call it something like, you know, uh, a blank, blank's journey. <laughs> and she said, well, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, why not? She said, because we have a lot of people who are, you know, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, uh, clients who are well-known and some who are not, and that might, that may offend them. And you don't want to turn readers away. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, because I'm really not a, I'm conservative in some ways, but when it comes to like what I want to convey, Conservativeness goes out the way yeah. to me, mm-hmm. but uh, but with this, I was like, but that's that's a shocking title. How does that make me like, what 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 this about? <clears throat> and she said, well, no, you can't say that. So I said, okay, let me compromise. Honey and Fabulous and Soul You. So I learned through through writing, learning how to uh, write a book and the publishing uh, aspect of it. I learned that compromise is very important. <laughs> Yeah, because you were coming from a creative side, and she was coming yeah. from the marketing and the sales side. Right, she was coming from a business point. Business. And I was just like, but uh, you know, I'm like, but honey, this is fabulous. Can we just do this? You know, she said, no, <laughs> you can't say that. Can you, can you share? And she was right. Can you share the? She title? was right. Can you share the title with us? Sure. It was. A, it was. Um, what was it? A country journey. Hmm. And see, and let me let me give you a little backstory on that. In in the gay community, in particular in the black gay community, mm-hmm. and in the ballroom scene, mm-hmm. when you say cunt, it mm-hmm. means because that's offensive to a lot of women, and I don't mean to offend any of the women listeners. Sure. But when you say that word, for us, it doesn't mean that. It means, oh my God, he's fabulous. He's just got, <laughs> he's perfect. You know, yeah. he's just he's he's feeling the wilds are just everywhere. You know, yeah. but to a woman, to some women. 
that's offensive. And so she said, well, we can't say that. <laughs> and I was like, well, why not? You know, but I was coming from the place of, well, I'm coming from the vernacular that I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so is there going to be a sequel? There will be. I'm actually working on that now. And um, that's going to be more, it's funny because a lot of people, they said, they told me, they said, well, the book was good, but it was too short. Mm. And I was like, oh, and they, and, and a lot of people were like, well, you know, you, you left something out. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, you can talk about your childhood. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, in the next book, you'll read about all that. So my next book is actually going to be about my love life okay. or lack thereof. <laughs> and and the lessons I've learned. Okay. You know, and, and names will be named, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna use the same editor and publishing company? Um, probably not. Um, uh, because unfortunately she decided to close up shop mm. and my contract went out the window. Mm. So I was like, Well, okay, that's it. but I looked at it from another perspective. I said, Well good, I can kinda I can do what I want. That means I can go to any publisher mm-hmm. and I can kind of give me, because I want something where I can have the freedom to write what I want to mm-hmm. and say what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, Scott here to take another 60 seconds to talk about a sponsor. I'm very excited to have to your cron, Suburban Buzz. Suburban Buzz takes the sting out of your marketing costs. Suburban Buzz can take care of your web development, social media, digital marketing, and general advertising, all available from Suburban Buzz. Visit Suburban Buzz at SuburbanBuzz.com. Now the owner, Holly Shavisnik, didn't ask me to read this part. I've used Holly's great service for many years. If you're a small business owner like me or just need to advertise, you need the reliable, quick service that you can count on from Holly and the Suburban Buzz team. So check them out at SuburbanBuzz.com. That is SuburbanBuzz.com. Once asked, what drives Leo? Your answer was simply emotion. If when I'm working with you and emotion is not there or invoked, something is wrong. When you show true, raw emotion, that's when true healing begins. How do you coach someone to show true, raw emotion? Well, one, I get you talking. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes when you come to a psychic or you come to a life coach, they don't say anything. They just sit there and they're like, well, I'm going to let you do it. Or or they'll give that whole, well, you're the psychic, you tell me mm-hmm. answer. And that's an answer that I absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I get you talking. And I tell you in the in this conversation, no matter if it's 20 minutes or an hour, in that 20 minutes or an hour, we're best friends. Mm-hmm. So that means I want you to open your mouth. Mm-hmm. I want you to be honest with me and tell me, look, this is what this is what this is what makes me upset. Mm-hmm. I'm angry because I often tell people, I'm like, well, I sense anger from you, and I and I say to them, finish this sentence. I'm angry because, and then before I know it, everything comes out. Mm-hmm. Because if I can't, in the words of Yon Levant, I can't help you heal. Mm-hmm. I can make you some soup, mm-hmm. but you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's not up to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just the vessel that you chose to come to. Because there are many, 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 many other people like myself, you know, that do the kind of work that I do. That that I will say some are even better than I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't view it as, well, I'm the only one. No, I'm not. I, I view it as, no, I'm one of the many. Mm-hmm. There are many people you can come to and talk to and open up to. Mm-hmm. But you, the fact that you chose me, we don't get to work. Mm-hmm. And that means you're going to get your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and play with you and, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be mean, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and just tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to know mm-hmm. and what can help you, what can help you um, 
guide your life and make it better because you are the captain of your own fate. Mm-hmm. Yes, the universe plays a role, a big role, mm-hmm. but ultimately the things that you do with what the universe presents to you, that's up to you. The, the, the clients that come, <clears throat> come to you for help, um, do they typically have specific issues that they're trying to fix or are they, some of them, are they happy with their life? They just want to be happier? Um, is, it, you know what? It really depends on the client. Mm-hmm. Some come to me because they really want to be better. And, and feel like, you know, I'm really going through a lot. How do I fix this? Mm-hmm. Or how do I um, repair, not fix? Mm-hmm. How do I heal what's going on with me uh, or around me? Some come because they are completely unhappy and I'm like their last hope. Some come because they just want insight. It just depends on that person. Mm-hmm. But I often tell them, like I, like I said before, you know, I, the thing that I, that I am learning, and this is one thing that I find that a lot of people who do the kind of work that, that I do, Mm-hmm. fall into, we fall into a trap of where we have to save everybody. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You you can't save everyone. You, the only person you can save is yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to give them the knowledge they need and then whatever they do with it, that's on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just depends. Some people come to it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, some people just come just to talk. I have some people that have come to me just to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm going I'm to pay you just to talk to me for an hour. I'm like, really? <laughs> and that's because that's what they want. So I, I talk with them, but in, even in, in that conversation, I give them insight and tell them what I pick up around them, but also what they can do to better their lives. Because it's a, I'll just be very honest. I love what I do, but if you're not careful, and many of the psychics that, I, that I'm pretty sure you know can attest to this, it's a really harsh um, industry to be in mm-hmm. because you're dealing with people that have a lot of deep, severe trauma and baggage. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, that can swallow you up. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn, okay, I got I, I love helping people, but I have to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to say no. There are some clients where I've talked to them, I'm like, no, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. because this is greater than I am. I had one client, she was very suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually called me, and she was on the bridge. And she said, I'm about to jump. I just yeah. talked to my before I do it. And I said, okay, wait. Wow. And, and, I, and she called me. I never forget it. She called me at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we talked for an hour. Woke me up out of my good sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'll be the first one. I love to sleep. I, I can stay in bed hours, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's 5 a.m. Like, what in the world are you doing? But she called me for a reason. Mm-hmm. I told her what she needed to know. But I also said, here, call. If you don't, you know, if you if you don't go home, I'm going to call the, the police. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, called, and I called the suicide hotline and had them connect to her mm-hmm. and talk to her. I said, I, and I told her the following day, I said, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. anymore and she said well what do you mean I said because your issues are more severe than I can deal with yeah. and I don't want that kind of a, that kind of karma on my hands because what if I tell you something that even though it's true the way you may handle it may be completely different that's... and that's what a, that's what a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. it's, it's all about how you can tell I can tell you the truth all day long Mm-hmm. But what you do with that truth that I give you, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. But see, it'll be the same way if it was you. If I called you and you were really down, mm-hmm. you said, I'm really going through it, and I'm thinking about ending my life, and I told you, you know, what I picked up around you, and you and you did it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how guilty that would make me feel? Yeah. Oh, huge. You see? Yeah. 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 And that's what a lot of people who are, who are, who, not all, but some don't get who are in this business. They, they think, oh, it's, it's like, no, you're dealing with real life. Mm. You're dealing with trauma. You're not dealing with people who, oh, I just want a reading and I want everything to be roses. You, you may get some of those who don't live in reality, but mm. you're going to nine times out of ten, you're going to get people who are really, really, uh, who really want help, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to get it. Mm-hmm. 
And so rather than going to a counselor, they're going to come to you. Yeah. I guess, you know, the term life coach, um, it's, it may, I may be totally off, but it, it seems like it's relatively new. And I say relative compared to therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. What, how, how do you describe the difference between those types of... Um... Well, those are those types of people. Well, a life coach is not... Most life coaches are not licensed counselors. Mm-hmm. Like a life coach would be somebody like Ian LaVon or I'm trying to think of another one, or like a Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say like for me, what I am is I am a life coach. Mm-hmm. I'm not a licensed counselor by any means. Mm-hmm. The difference between a life coach and maybe a, a therapist is that they have actual scientific uh, study mm-hmm. and data to back up their profession. Mm-hmm. And they can unlock patterns. Mm-hmm. We can too, but it's more so from a more practical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with a life coach, we are there to motivate. Mm-hmm. Where the therapist helps you kind of dissect the patterns that you have. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because the therapist goes back, mm-hmm. a life coach goes forward. Hmm. Uh, in the opening, I mentioned uh, that you're a mo- motivational speaker. Um, talk about that for a minute. What's that? What's that like being in motivation? Oh, that's fun. That's actually what I enjoy. Um, I really enjoy doing that because I get to interact with people. Mm-hmm. I get people to have a call and response. It, I kind of, I kind of equate it to being in church mm. because that's really what it's like for me. Because I want you to leave on. I want you to leave fired up. That's important. Yeah. Uh, I want you to laugh. I want, I want you to cry. You know what I mean? I want you to to resonate with what I have to say. And in my motivational speaking, um, you know, in in those courses, what I do is I tell a little bit of my story, but I try to tell my story in a way that it may apply to you. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, I have one um, uh, seminar called, you know, Swallowing Bitterness, Walking Towards Forgiveness. And that's basically about how to forgive not only those that have hurt, hurt you, but to forgive yourself. Because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, when we get mad at somebody for hurting us, mm-hmm. we are mad at them, but we are more mad at us because we're like, how did we allow it to happen? Mm. Interesting perspective. Yeah, it's like, why did we allow, what did we do, you know, where, what were we taking when that happened to us? Like, why did we allow, you know, unless it was something that was beyond our control. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of ten, like if you have a disagreement with a family member, mm-hmm. like, well, how did, that, how did I let that person push me to that point? Mm. to where I don't even like looking at them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I show you the steps to walk towards forgiveness and swallowing that bitterness and letting it go. Mm. Because that's hurting you, not them. The common thread I sort of hear through this and talking with you, Leo, is, is it really comes down to us, doesn't it? I mean, we can't control others and or... No, you can't. I mean, and, and it's funny because I, you know, this is something that... I'm I'm like I tell people I'm I'm working progress like everybody else. Mm. So yeah, I'm even learning that. It's like wait wait a minute, I can't control your actions. Mm. If that's the way you feel, that's the way you feel. You're entitled to that. Mm. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but okay, it is what it is. But I, but see, the thing that I'm also learning is this: is it to quote my Angela, she was absolutely right. When a person shows you who they are, believe them, mm. because it's always been there. Mm-hmm. You see, but we tend to put on those rose, rose-colored glasses and overlook, you know, oh, well, they don't mean to be rude. Mm. Oh, they weren't mean to the waitress mm. or, you know, oh, well, they talk about their friends because, because the one thing, the one, two things I have learned is this. It takes, for instance, love, because love is a big one. Like when people come to me, they want to know about their love life. Mm-hmm. It's either love or money. Mm-hmm. And if you really look and you unlock what those mean, those mean stability. Mm emotional security and financial stability. That's what it's about, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at love, for instance, I'll have a client and they'll go, well, yeah, we went out on the date and the date was fabulous. But I'll go, well, what's the but about? If it was a great date, well, they were rude to the, the wait staff. And then I say to them, well, if they were rude to the wait staff, they're gonna be rude to you. 
And then they wonder why that person doesn't communicate mm. in the way that they would like them to. Mm. So, well, they showed you who they were on the day. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If they were rude to the wayside, they're going to be rude to you. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. And it's just a matter of you seeing it. And even I've been guilty of that. I will try, listen here. If I think a, a man is cute enough, I was so, I used to, let me make that clear. I used to overlook the flaws and be like, oh, or overlook the things that I knew made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can, that's okay. That's all right. But he's nice though. <laughs> you know, he told me that I was cute <laughs> or, you know, he took me out. You know what I mean? Sure. No, no, no. You have, you have to stop settling for scraps when you know you want a T-bone thing. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and if that means being by yourself, not alone. Notice I'm not saying that. Because I think often we, when we say by yourself, we often equate that with being alone, and then we equate it to being lonely and loneliness. It doesn't mean that. Being by yourself means learning who you are from a deeper, more sacred and respectable place. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting um, thing that it, it happens in a lot of relationships. You have that romantic period where, uh, you know, I guess... For a lot of people, just say it's inside of a year or so, you know, the first year of the relationship mm-hmm. where there's a lot of forgiveness going on. Like you mentioned, a lot of flaws being overlooked because you, you want to retain that feeling of, of the romance. It's, it's a great right. endorphic type feeling. So do you have any suggestions for how you kind of deal with those emotions and maybe... Um, Oh, try try to figure out who who this person really is that you're so crazy about at the time. I guess I would just say just be observant, mm-hmm. and you know, like if if something if and also if this person cares for you the way that you think they do, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to say what you feel to them. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Then maybe they're not for you. Mm-hmm. And don't overlook what you see. Mm-hmm. Because then what you're doing is you're settling. Mm. And that's not good for you or for them. Interesting. Because the thing of it is, no matter what you do, it's always going to be in the back of your mind, oh my God, this person. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, and also, listen to how, look at how they treat their family. Mm-hmm. Look at their family history. Look at their family pattern. Mm. Uh, ask them about, well, how, okay, if their mother isn't in their life, how do you get along with your dad? If their dad, okay, what about an uncle, an aunt, grandma, grandpa? How did you get along? That's a good question. Um, what's another one? Uh, if they talk about their friends, they will talk about you. Mm. Trust me. I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us are very empathic people. Mm-hmm. Don't be involved with people who are narcissistic, meaning it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Because then what we do is we want to, you know, we want to help them and we see, we see the, 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 the opportunity to heal them. You can't change a person that doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. And it's not your job to. Mm-hmm. That's their job. Mm-hmm. And I would also say this, learn how to handle, learn to handle confrontation no matter what it is, big or small, mm-hmm. forgive it, but never forget it. Because mm-hmm. when you, no matter what the confrontation is, you can forgive it and let it go, but never forget it. Always have it in the back of your mind mm-hmm. because it'll let you know, okay, well, I know what you're about now. Mm-hmm. And now that I see you, now that I see what you're about, I'm going to leave you where you are mm-hmm. because I can't help that you're like this. You were like this before you even met me. Mm-hmm. So don't stick around hoping that they'll change. No, because that's that's their because that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. That's their business to change, mm-hmm. not ours. Because often we get with people wanting them to be what we want them to be. Mm-hmm. I've done. I believe me. I, I'm the queen of doing that. <laughs> you can't do that mm-hmm. because that hurts you, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get resistance. That's like if a person, if 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 I say to you, Scott, well, you need to lose 20 pounds mm-hmm. in order to be, you know, I'm just using it as an example. In order to be with me, you got to lose 20 pounds. 
and say you lost the weight, and I still wasn't satisfied. Mm. You're not doing it for for you. You're doing it for me. Mm-hmm. That's not fair to you. Because mm. you might look good with 20 pounds extra on your body. Or good to somebody else. Right. So who am I to tell you, well, that's just not right? No, no, no. That's, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. But I can't force you to be something that you're not. Mm-hmm. If that's not who you are, that's not who you are. And that's okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You mentioned earlier you've been on the radio. How did that come about? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that first started with a girlfriend of mine by the name of Courtney Tyson. Mm-hmm. That was my first ever in-studio radio mm-hmm. um, uh, gig, as they say. Mm-hmm. And it was only three minutes long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. And I loved it. And I love I love any form of media, mm-hmm. radio, television, Love them all. Podcast. Um, po- yes, podcasting. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, I do. Because I love the fact of, of you being able to uh, entertain people. Mm-hmm. I come from a family of entertainers. Mm-hmm. My father's side is a family of entertainers. My mother was a sing- is a singer. You know, so I come from a family of, of not putting on a show, but, you know, making you feel wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love everything about that. So radio became kind of natural for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, uh, my brother said to me, you know, he said, I should see you doing well in radio. And they made me get an idea of having my own radio show. And I did for a year. It was called Real Talk with Leo Brown on Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fun, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted a show kind of like Wendy Williams, but with a psychic twist. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, well, I would love to do a show where it's entertainment, it's breaking news, but then you have me talking about what I see for celebrities, you know, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I'm, what I want. I'm kind of surprised there's not a, you know, uh, podcasts are becoming more popular. It's long form, you know, people can chat and without, uh, I don't know, just chat, basically. And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of surprised, or maybe it already exists. I just don't know about it that that has not come out in radio form, where somebody can well, just be themselves. Without you know what? I think that's sports. because, quite frankly, there aren't the personalities for it yet. Because mm. most psychics are very subdued. Mm. Most readers are very, you know, very um, not, and I shouldn't say most. Some, mm-hmm. you know, are very subdued, very, you know, very uh, cute, cute Indian music in a waterfall. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you think psychic, when you think medium, when you think spiritual, you don't think of someone who's actually like, you know, entertaining, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You think of, well, they're entertaining, but they're entertaining to the spiritual crowd, and that's it. Mm. Um, so I think that's why it hasn't happened. Because even when you look at television, it's funny, I was actually just interviewed by a television company for a television show, mm. for the, the possibility of one. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, why would you want to show? I said, well, one, you don't have people that look like me. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't have any. I said, you know, you had Miss Cleo, but she was an actress. Mm-hmm. You don't have anyone of color. Mm-hmm. You have Walter Mercado for the Latino community. Mm-hmm. And I love him. Love him to pieces. Mm-hmm. But you don't have anyone that looks like me. And if I was 13, 14, 15, and I'm dealing with these experiences, I'm dreaming things and it's happening. I'm hearing stuff. I'm seeing stuff. Things are moving around. Who am I going to go to? Mm. The Long Island medium is nice, but she's not enough. Tyler Henry is nice, but he's not enough. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How about someone of color? Yeah. And why are we always going to live in the woods? Yeah. You know, right. someone who is who has a personality, who's human, who has flaws, who has issues, just like everybody else. Yeah. And it's more than just a psychic medium. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Leo, um, it's been a fascinating conversation. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and um, look forward to to your second book. And um, um, hopefully uh, you'll spend some time to come back on the show again in the future. Yeah. And uh, I like to, uh, of course, end my show with this question. So, okay. uh, 
you probably uh, you probably already know what it is. But uh, if if a hundred years from now your extended family or any one generations from now hears this recording, what do you want them to remember about Leo Brown? Um, that Leo was real, that Leo was human, and that Leo really wanted to help change the world and rule it at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by that last part? (laughs) Meaning that there's so much I want to do. It's more than just, I mean, I love things like this. Like, I love doing interviews and podcasts, Mm -hmm. but... I want to do television. I want to do radio. I want to do, I want to do everything to quote Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. And I will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe it. I do. I do. Well, Leo, thank you again for being on your cron. And, uh, again, we'll put the book information on the website. And is there any, uh, how do people get a hold of you for life coaching services? You want, you, um, you can go to my now? website. Okay. You can go to my website, mm-hmm. psychicleo.com, for either coaching or for psychic readings. And I'm also available for events too, all around the great state of Texas and the world and nationally as well. Okay, wonderful. All right, so we'll uh, we'll put that on the uh, website as well. Thank you again for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.